From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. Yeah, it's Mike. How are you doing? Uh, recording this a little later than usual, Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, spent some time with the family. Uh, they're all asleep now, the boys next door. And uh, I've been kind of bird-dogging this story uh, that broke just hours ago, south of Indianapolis, town of Greenwood, for those who are uninitiated with the state of Indiana. Uh, and it's it's um, kind of a cruel irony, really, um, because I did have some gun-related stories lined up for the podcast today, uh, none of which, well, they were serious, but not as serious as what transpired at uh, Greenwood Park Mall earlier this evening. A, a gentleman, and I'm using that term very loosely, a male suspect, I guess would be a better description, uh, out in the parking lot or the food court, uh, shot and killed four people, uh, injured two others before being put down by what the cops are calling a good Samaritan uh, who had a concealed carry license. Uh, and that, that Samaritan, only described as a 22-year-old male from Bartholomew County, which is, again, south of Indy, and... Uh, Kudos to that guy for what he did because, uh, from what's being described, the suspect had a long rifle and several magazines, so this could have been a hell of a lot worse. My hat's off to this dude, uh, but we don't know much else about the suspect as the investigation's ongoing. I, that's why I was kind of uh, dragging my feet on this whole podcast because I wanted to see where this would go, and of course we'll probably have more information uh, probably in the overnight hours tomorrow morning, and of course uh, it'll be another... Another story in the Second Amendment debate, um, but it's it's interesting because again it, it, this was bad, and I'm not sure what the motivation of the shooter was. If uh, this was a lone wolf type of thing, if they knew any of the people that they shot and killed, any of that, I, I don't know. Uh, but I, you know, just complimenting a dude. Giving shout out to a dude that put this guy down is now divisive, because people are like, "Well, if uh, why are even guns in people's hands to begin with? Like, if nobody had guns, there'd be no shootings, and there would be no need for a hero, that sort of thing." Uh, kind of sidestepping that whole Second Amendment thing, where you have the right to bear arms, and it's one that I support. I, I'm actually one of these weird fringe people that believe in the Bill of Rights that believe in amendments and uh, giving more responsibility to the citizenry and not the government because I know how government officials are, unfortunately. Um, and it's always kind of, a um, to me, a MacGuffin when people bring up which uh, weapons a citizen can own or not own because it doesn't come down to uh, the gun. It's the citizen who decides to pull the trigger. And I know that, uh, you know, D.C., Congress, just passed a, a bipartisan law uh, about red flags. And I'm sure we're going to get another red flag law uh, down the pike until uh, people are just like, well, these red flags aren't working. We're just going to have to do something a little more serious. And that's how that works. And, and I don't know, again, anything about this shooter, but recent trends tell me um, that... This is probably, and again, this is gut. I'm speaking from gut. That this probably is a lone wolf incident. 
like uh, the three big ones we've had this year that I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, the white supremacist nut that uh, shot up and killed a bunch of people in Buffalo in that supermarket because he, repl- uh, I guess, believed in the replacement theory or the grand replacement theory. It was just basically that the white race was dying out. And he posted this long manifesto on one of those gaming uh, platforms, like a social media gaming platform. I'm drawing a blank on the name of it right now because it's late. Um, and then, uh, you know, out in Texas, uh, Uvalde, the cops not doing a damn thing about a suspect that had some mental issues and uh, privately messaged some people that he was going to do something bad. Uh, nothing happened. And the cops stood outside the room while, unfortunately, many children lost their lives to this guy. And then you had uh, just a, a couple weeks ago outside of Chicago, I think it was, uh, you know, one of the suburbs. Fourth of July parade were a suspect, uh, one of the self-described SoundCloud rappers uh, who had a Spotify account with troubling lyrics, you know, basically saying F the world and what he would do, uh, went up and shot and killed some people enjoying the Fourth of July and uh, made his escape dressed as a woman. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very troubling trend. But there were signs each time out that these individuals were up to no good and were going to hurt people. But the debate is going to be on the gun. It always is going to be on the gun because we can't hold people accountable. And so they'll say, you know, we're a gun-crazy culture. It's the wild, wild west when uh, nothing could be further from the truth. There's, n- you know, As bad as gun violence can be, I don't think anybody's really read up on the wild, wild west to really know what they're talking about in that regard. But... I'm sure that there were probably some signs with the Greenwood Park Mall shooter. And uh, we'll find out what his motivation was, or at least try to get some glimpse as to what that motivation was in the coming days. But people are going to be focused on the gun. And, And look, I'm all for background checks. I'm all for people being licensed to carry, and I'm all for responsible gun ownership. And I really don't care what gun you own, as long as you're a law-abiding citizen. Uh, that said, there are responsible gun owners and there are ir- irresponsible gun owners. This guy that took down the shooter at Greenwood Park Mall, the uh, the licensed uh, concealed carry guy, 22 years old, obviously had some training, obviously wasn't hiding anything from the cops if he was talking to them. He's a hero because this, again, could have been a hell of a lot worse. Now, I, I talk about how I had some gun stories already in the stack, and uh, oddly enough, both of them come from Florida. Uh, and I want to give you first an example of bad gun ownership, and I want to give you an example of good ownership. And these do involve big honking guns. Uh, the first one, uh, out of Tampa Bay, uh, this involves a landscaper and his daughter. Uh, I guess they uh, mow a, a woman's yard once a week, and recently, and, and by the way, uh, kudos to the daughter for videotaping this because the, the gun owner in this story is nuts. Okay, there's no way you can defend this person. Um, but to do his yard, to do the yard work, he has to park, and there's not a lot of street space, so he uh, unfortunately blocked in a driveway that he didn't think was being used. 
and he was using his weed whacker one day and the guy who owns this driveway the property came out started yelling at the landscaper saying oh you gotta move the trailer so he did he moved the trailer and then after that the dude came out with an ar-15 or some sort of big ass gun and started making threats and uh i don't know how the landscaper kept a cool and level head but he did his daughter's taping this you know fearful for their lives because they're just out there cutting grass and this gun owner uh is losing his ever-loving s the cops are called and i think charges will be filed and that's great um but what's weird about this story is this guy was losing his crap over you know a businessman not breaking the law just okay yeah this is a big mistake i'm sorry i'll move my trailer and he brings a gun out in the argument not a good look especially when it's caught on camera um so he needs to be charged i would have no problem if this landscaper after this incident decided to do a concealed carry i'm not really sure what the gun laws are down in florida but you know if he wants to keep himself safe yeah i wouldn't mind that i mean that's probably a good idea because you don't know who you're going to run into um, but if there is one, as intense and as serious as the story is, if there is one comedic aspect of this, uh, it, it involves the idiot gun owner losing his crap about his driveway being blocked in. Uh, because if you look at the video and you look at the pictures of the news story about this guy in his house and this property, you'll know that he has a very well-kept pickup truck parked in the front yard on the grass oh my god there's nothing that screams white trash more than that maybe and i'm playing devil's advocate here maybe the the lawn care guy wouldn't park in front of your driveway if you actually parked in your driveway but that's just kind of a common sense thing right there uh so yeah that's that's an example of piss poor gun ownership good gun ownership uh, a little further up the state in florida pensacola on the on the panhandle a uh, gentleman had a knock on his door recently four guys wanting to cause trouble guy has a pistol right he opens it uh gets kind of bum rushed by these guys and drops his pistol somehow he gets away from them runs into the back room and pulls out a big honking gun shoots in the air and scares these dudes off and that was it um three of the dudes were arrested i think one of them had a gunshot wound actually to the head uh non-life threatening so he'll live and maybe learn from this that you can only hope right uh that maybe just maybe trying to rob a dude is not a good idea uh but that's what you're supposed to do because sometimes the cops can't always get there and because people are, are can be vile you know criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot that's why they don't adhere to the gun rules that's why if they think somebody's alone they travel in groups you have to have something to kind of equalize that and so that's why i don't get hung up on the gun when the gun debate comes into play i'm always asking okay was there a sign that this person was going to do some bad something terrible and uh that's always a big thing with me now i'm not sure about this dude down in tampa that decided to have this tiff and i'm using that very understated by the way with the uh, landscaper uh but he's obviously got some issues and 
look, that situation would have been bad if he used a smaller gun, a machete, a butter knife, or was throwing rocks because he was just out to, you know, prove his manhood or something. A responsible gun owner is not going to do that over a parked-in driveway. Uh, but, yeah, getting back to the whole Greenwood thing, uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out about this shooter in the coming days. Uh, one story. I don't think it involves guns. Uh, it's out in Iowa. A uh, French gentleman, uh, somebody with a uh, French ancestry. Uh, I guess, well, he was in the French army, and somehow he's in Iowa now. And he runs a, a bed and breakfast with his family, and someone broke into their house. Like this was like a drunk a hole type of thing. And I think they were looking for some ex girlfriend or somebody that owed him money. I don't know. When you're drunk, you really don't think crap through because uh, you're drunk. Uh, but he comes into this house, and this dude is trained in martial arts and takes this guy down. Like, this dude is ex-military. I mean, you know, from France. But, you know, if you're a French military, you're going to fight. I'm not. And if you could take a guy down without a gun, that is pretty impressive. I'm not taking anything away from this dude. Uh, but, again, it kind of shows why you can't really rely on government or cops all the time. And I'm not bad-mouthing cops. I'm just saying they're stretched thin. So if you have law-abiding citizens that take precautions like owning guns or becoming a lethal weapon like the gentleman in Iowa, uh, more power to you. By the way, the drunk didn't get killed. Uh, I might link a few of these stories up just to kind of prove a point uh, with this podcast page. Uh, but yeah, this, it's just been kind of a weird week with guns just reading about it. And I was going to touch upon it, and then unfortunately this craziness down in Greenwood. Uh, kind of a feel-good story. Uh, a little painful out of Lafayette recently. Lafayette, uh, about two, two and a half hours cross state from where I am at right now. Uh, this gentleman, uh, just a onions-sized hero here because it takes a lot of balls to do what he did. Uh, this police body cam caught all the action of uh, this guy coming out of a flaming house. Just a, you know, Joe, uh, just you know, Joe, average Joe. Uh, Joe Blas is what I was trying to say. Uh, coming down the street, this house is engulfed in flames, and he runs in and saves a six-year-old girl. Uh, he falls out of the house. Uh, he had some minor burns, but what really hurt him was the fact that um, uh, he landed and messed up his hand, like cut it bad. He might have cut a tendon. Uh, and the body cam footage shows the police uh, on top of this dude, you know, wrapping his arm in a belt, getting a tourniquet. Uh, thankfully, they uh, they blurred out the blood because I would have passed out watching this, but it was still a little intense, and I'm glad I was sitting down watching it. Guy's okay. The girl's okay. Uh, but it just kind of shows that there are good people around us, thankfully, in this insane world, and there are good people in law enforcement and, you know, of course, uh, first responders, thankfully, they can get the job done. And, yeah, I'll link that up too because you know, we, we need a little feel good. Now, uh, kind of getting back on track here, um, there was a story here that I was actually going to use to lead off with this week's podcast about uh, how the media kind of distorts things a little bit, a lot of news organizations. Um, and this is something I noticed uh, back, back when I thought radio had a chance, uh, even with the big corporations like Cumulus or iHeart, um, if there was like a national story or something, they would post the same freaking thing on the various social media accounts to make it look local and appealing when in fact it's just, you know, one nerd sitting somewhere in Atlanta 
or in Texas or wherever these uh, these radio corporations are based out of, just posting it and, uh, well, what do you think? And it's basically the same thing with a lot of news network affiliates that are owned by groups. They will do this. Uh, and there was a story, I think this was out of Tennessee, and I guess this is a legit problem down there with uh, fentanyl and opioids and that sort of thing. Uh, the story goes like this. Uh, this this couple going to a workers' conference in uh, Texas. They're from Lexington, Kentucky. They're driving through Tennessee. They stop off at McDonald's because, you know, long road trip, cheap burgers and soda sound good. And I'm not being sarcastic. Cheap burgers and a soda sound exquisite when you're in a car for a long-ass time. Uh, but the woman in question decides to pick up a dollar bill she sees in the parking lot. And then minutes later... They're inside. She gets woozy. She says to her husband, I sorry, I'm sorry, and she passes out, and they take her to the emergency room uh, where they said she accidentally overdosed. Uh, she was going to be okay, and she lived, thankfully. Not rooting for her to not live, you know. but there's some things that are a little suspicious about the story, uh, namely because uh, they're saying it was fentanyl on this dollar bill, uh, but the way they described it, it would be ultra rare, damn near impossible, just to touch a dollar bill that has a trace of this drug on it and have the reaction that she did, like having it go through her skin and having her react the way she did. Uh, they, they were saying it almost had to have been inhaled or uh, go through uh, like an open pore around the eye or something. So that in itself is suspicious. The cops, uh, when they picked up the dollar bill in question, did not notice any film on the dollar, any any residue, any trace of the drug. There was no testing of the dollar bill, uh, so they just ended up destroying it. And they said, well, we got to be aware of that, uh, that drug-laced dollar bill floating around out there. Um, but, you know, I'm, again, gut here, you know, just reading that story and some of the stuff that was kind of contradicting the story about, you know, being aware of drug-addled dollar bills... I just uh, wasn't really buying it because two things came to mind. Either, A, she was on a prescription for something else and had a bad reaction to it. Or, B, the the stuff got into her system maybe not so accidentally. And I know that's uh, going down that rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. That, And again, I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories. But holy God, there was just no questioning of it. They just, uh, it, this was being shared across multiple platforms by multiple newsrooms owned probably by two or three different companies. And you're supposed to buy into it wholeheartedly without questioning it. It's a dangerous world. I get that. But a lot of people looking at the comments section just wasn't buying. They just weren't buying it. They weren't. Uh, and you know the old wives' tale about, uh, like, if money circulates around long enough, there will be traces of cocaine in it. Like, every dollar bill in our currency system has cocaine in it. It just goes to show you that everything ends up in a stripper's G-string. Uh, eventually, good God. By the way, they never really mentioned what kind of workers' conference this was. It was in Texas. That's all I know. 
And that's probably all they're going to uh, reveal with this. All right, I want to get into some stuff that's a little more lighthearted because it's this this week is it's a heavy one, man. It's it's hard for me not to talk about something uh, that happened in my home state here. But um, uh, I did want to make mention of how good uh, the writers' room for Better Call Saul is uh, because uh, they are wrapping up the final season. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, why why are you putting this off? You got to watch it. I don't want to spoil it for you here. All I'm going to say about it is when they picked up, I mean, and and did what they did last Monday night. It was good. It was intense, and this could have been a perfect series finale for any other show, given some of the explosive things that happened. But there's five more episodes left of this. And I'm just wondering, well, how the hell do they top this? And then I had to kind of remind myself uh, that there are lingering storylines yet to happen. And there might be something more explosive that we're just not seeing yet. And I, I'm very excited to see where this goes. And hopefully they pull this off. And, I, you know... I'm not saying this is better than Breaking Bad. I know there are some people that do that. It's kind of like, you know, people that say that Godfather 2 is better than the first. And the Godfather Part 2 is a classic. Don't get me wrong. But uh, Godfather is what got you to the dance. Same with Breaking Bad. But Better Call Saul does a great job of doing what Breaking Bad does and showing that there are consequences to actions. Uh, the whole half measures versus full measures monologue from Breaking Bad perfectly describes that show. And it could pretty much describe this show as well. And, of course, uh, five more episodes or four more, depending on when you listen to this uh, coming up. And, by the way, speaking of Breaking Bad, uh, Vince Gilligan, the showrunner for that, and, of course, the co-showrunner for Better Call Saul, announced that uh, there will be a statue unveiling in Albuquerque. Two bronze statues of fictitious drug manufacturers Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Uh, because they film and shoot Breaking Bad. They did anyway. And of course they're, they've just wrapped up filming Better Call Saul there. So uh, for almost two decades. Uh, across uh, a span of two decades. You know Albuquerque. A big big scene. A big place uh, for two great shows. And I think that's pretty cool. Now some people are like. Well why are you honoring these drug dealers. These drug manufacturers. I kind of get that. Um, but. I also know that this is a fictitious show. These are fake characters. And to me, two fictitious drug manufacturers have done less damage than actual politicians. I mean, they will name uh, anything from a post office to a bus station in honor of a politician that's been in office for 30, 40, 50 years and has done absolutely nothing to change the situation of their constituents. But because they're likable, they get a bus station and they get a post office and whatnot. Uh, so I have no problem with the statue. Well, I take that back. I think what needs to happen, uh, just because I love Better Call Saul, there needs to be a Saul Goodman statue as well. So there's that. And by the way, uh, uh, congrats to Rhea Seahorn for finally getting an Emmy nomination this year. Although it's for outstanding supporting actress in a dramatic series. I think it should be lead actress, but that's probably the only way they could get her nominated. I mean, she's the only uh, female that appears regularly on that show. And I know that's Bob Odenkirk's show, but she does such a great job. Great actress. Uh, I'm going to miss... I can't say I'm going to miss that show when it's gone, because I can always go to Netflix and watch it. But it's just... 
it's just nice to see great writing from any show. All right, I'm going to delve into music real quick here. Um, uh, because, you know me, I'm a rock fan. I'm not a big hip-hop guy. I'm not a big pop music guy. Uh, but I'm not a big rock star being an asshole kind of guy either. And that describes Roger Waters to an effing T. I love Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd's one of the greatest bands of all time. I don't think anybody's going to refute that one iota. Uh, but he's on, but he's got, he's, first of all, before I go on, he does have a reputation of being a dick. In fact, his bandmates can't stand him. That's why Pink Floyd's not Pink Floyd anymore. That, and they're getting older, and damn near 80. He's 78, and he's still a dick. But I guess he was in town, uh, what, I don't know which town this was. I want to say this is up in Canada. I uh, should have written this down, but uh, I guess the uh, same weekend, Drake... Same day that he was performing, Drake had a concert, Weekend was performing, and he couldn't understand why they were getting so much press because he said, and I quote, I'm a far more important musician than they are. I don't care how many streams they get. Just the obliviousness uh, to it all. And it's weird because The Wall, a classic legendary album of Pink Floyd, kind of came from... Uh, the idea that there was a separation between audience and artist. And it, like that irony does not dawn on Roger Waters. Like he is so self-involved that he has time to um, bestow upon the little people his ideals of how the world should be. Oh, and by the way, I'm better than Drake in The Weeknd. <sighs> and, and, look, and I'm not a big fan of The Weeknd or Drake, but... Uh, I don't think I've heard them say anything like that. I mean, I'll rag on them for other things, but good God, that's nuts. And by the way, I, I just saw this before uh, coming up here to record this. David Crosby's an asshole, and I'm not talking about uh, his little tiff with Spotify and Joe Rogan. I saw this story, um, and this is actually kind of a cool thing. A, a David Crosby fan did like this little... Uh, stained glass painting thing uh, that was kind of like a side uh, profile of David Crosby. And, you know, it, it looks all right, man. I think it looks pretty cool. And he did this and tagged David Crosby. And David Crosby on Twitter, being the gracious artist he is, says, I don't know, it looks kind of weird. Don't quit your day job. These people have no idea. I just how out of touch with the people that keep them employed or keep the royalties run uh, coming in are. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm just scratching my head. I've seen other artists being much more grateful to their fan bases, but these two old hippies are just as douchey as any metalhead. Like, you know, Sebastian Bach. Uh, but I, I guess I'll link those up as well if I have it. I, I do have the Roger Waters one linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, speaking of douchey, uh, Pantera announced their 20th anniversary, or uh, the reunion tour. I don't think it was 20th. They've been around. Well, they haven't been around. Sorry, it's late. Uh, but they announced their uh, reunion tour, which is basically just Phil, Phil Anselmo and the other guy. Uh, going around the country singing Pantera songs. I'm sorry, dude. No Dimebag, no Vinny, no Pantera. The brothers started that band. 
And I'm not the world's biggest Pantera fan. I don't hate Pantera. Uh, but I did have a chance to interview Vinnie Paul years ago. And this is one of the most down-to-earth, funny dudes I've ever talked to. Like, you, like just it was a phone interview, but you wouldn't think that the dude was the drummer for Pantera or Hell Yeah. You would just think it was just some random guy uh, at a barbecue you're having beers with, just talking about, you know, football and classic rock. And, you know, Vinnie Paul, by the way, was a huge Christina Aguilera fan. He loved her singing. Mr. Metal, I know, right? Uh, but those dudes were so great to their fans. And they are what uh, Phil wasn't, what uh, David Crosby wa- isn't, and what Roger Waters isn't. They were gracious. They loved the fact that guys and gals came out to see their shows. And you need more musicians like that. And just this tour, this money grab, is a painful reminder that we don't have as many of those dudes around anymore. I mean, there's being metal, and then there's actually being, you know, cool and down to earth behind the scenes. That stuff, that stuff should be the goal of every friggin' musician, every friggin' actor, by the way. Uh, Real quick, uh, (laughs) electric car headaches. Uh, I guess one Florida woman found out that the electric car that she bought uh, the battery replacement was going to run anywhere north of $13,000. Ooh, and Tesla's telling people to uh, to not charge their Teslas during the day in Texas because of the heat wave. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the corner for $2 a gallon gas. Let's get back to that, because uh, Daddy doesn't have $13,000 laying around for a car battery. Not getting into that anytime soon. Well, that's it. Hopefully lighter stuff for next week. Stay safe, okay? And, and you know, treat each other well if you can. Until next week. <laughs> Later, cheese bags. I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> Take it easy. I don't give a crap. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.